Hello humans of triathlon and welcome to the hot podcast where we bring you the ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon one human one story at a time with the aim to inspire and to celebrate this life-changing sport and its humans through real authentic raw and enjoyable conversations with triathletes from all around the globe and from all walks of life I'm Swapnil Chauhan here with my co-host Charles Hunk and Radmom Robin along with an amazing guest Yeah, so all of our guests here on the Hot Podcast have enthusiastically shared with us how the sport of triathlon has greatly impacted their personal lives. But it's much more rare for triathlon to be embraced by an entire family. And when you throw into the mix that this family is dealing with some pretty big challenges in the form of autism and type 1 diabetes, it's even more impressive to see the creative ways they've found to make this all work. From biking with kids on tandems to an impressive Ironman performance that involved constant checking of blood sugars, making sure she neither went too high or too low, our guest and her family used their love of triathlon to increase awareness and acceptance of people with special needs. In addition to this, her tenacity and contagious enthusiasm led to her selection to be the cover athlete for Triathlete Magazine this last June. So please meet the incredible athlete who emphasizes the ability and disability, Julie Bakke. Hey guys! Hi, welcome, Julie. <laughs> hey, so I think I'm done because you've heard everything. I'm all done. All right. <laughs> bye bye. I think one thing Robin forgot to mention was a professional hugger. Oh yeah. Oh, perfect. professional hugger. Yeah. Yes, please, Robin. You you missed that. So right. <laughs> well, one day, hopefully, I can actually meet one or all three of you in person because that's certainly uh, what I love to do. Is I you know this has been. Certainly an adventure. Social media is very new to our family, but um, being able to certainly connect this last Ironman with so many different people is just uh, amazing. So yeah, I want to thank you so much for having me on the podcast. This is first for me. So uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. So for sure. Well, we are so excited to have you here. Totally. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> And I have to say, the you know, I don't even know, it's been maybe six or seven months that Facebook, let alone Instagram, I've been on, and I literally connected the dots this morning, and um, I hope I don't butcher it, but swap, swap, Neil, yeah. <laughs> when we connected, I did not even realize that this connection here, and he was one of the first people that I met on Instagram. I loved his journey. and Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I was literally dumbfounded this morning, and it just gave me butterflies. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is fantastic. I'm so glad that <laughs> he's one of, you know, one of the, you know, people that I'm connecting with today. So that's just a side note. But One of the trio. Yeah, right, the trio. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely been looking forward to this. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, definitely. You're definitely one of those positive and inspiring people on the gram right now so yeah we're, we're just glad to have you on definitely yeah all right so let's let's jump right into your journey so like w- where we like to start off is at the beginning of the timeline which would be your childhood your family how and where you were raised so let, let's say you had to write a book about your life from the time you were born until now what would be the title of your first chapter and why oh my goodness um the first chapter would be i don't remember childbirth 
So <laughs> <laughs> my children, I, this is very, very true. And it's, if you talk to any of my friends, they would say the things that Julie remembers um, are very odd, but then I literally <laughs> don't remember giving birth to my children. I, I'm not even joking right now. So yeah, that would be the first title uh, or the first chapter. So, but yeah, I grew up, I reside currently with my husband and the two boys um, in Michigan, but I grew up in California. So um, Southern California, uh, San Fernando Valley. Valley girl. That there, <laughs> yes, I was a valley girl. <laughs> That's what they say. I don't know if they say that anymore. I'm 43 years old. I left when I was 18. So, um, but back then, uh, Valley Girl. So yeah, I grew up, uh, my mom has since passed, but she was pretty much a single mom. It was my sister and myself. And we absolutely had no money. We lived in various apartments, not always in, you know, the best in neighborhoods, but somehow she... Um, I went to a private school to this day. I don't know how that happened. I think that she never paid the bill and I was always on a grant, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was, um, schooling. I was involved in a little bit of sports. I played basketball, but I wasn't very good. I'm just, um, you know, that, that connection of running down the court and trying to shoot a basket, not all there. I'm tall, but that's about it. I played some volleyball. Um, I didn't do any type of running, no types of type of swimming. And yeah, so that's sort of where I grew up. And well, I'm curious, um, since uh, a huge part of your journey is is type one diabetes. And just to share my daughter, I asked her if it's okay to share. She's a type one, um, fairly newly diagnosed. So I'm curious when that happened in your life and, and what effect that had on, you know, either sports or your feelings about yourself, your body, where that took you forward. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's, I mean, I, I'm excited in a positive way when I get to connect with, um, especially parents or, you know, anyone for that matter that has type one diabetes, because it's just, we speak a different language (laughs) that's oftentimes, uh, you know, hard to explain. Right. Yeah. I saw your post about the Dexcom stickers and I'm like, I know exactly what she's talking about. (laughs) I know it's sort of weird what I get excited about. So, uh, (laughs) And, uh, right. But, um, so with my diabetes, so fast forward to, I was growing up, I was actually LAPD Explorer. I just thought I wanted to be a police officer of all things and moved out of high school and things were pretty rough. And I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to pay rent to my mother, let alone even attend college. So I went into the air force fast forward to, I know I'm skipping over stuff, but when my husband and I He's also a veteran as well. When we were both in the service, got married, I had my first son. That's when I was first diagnosed. So I was, I was 21 years old. Um, oh, wow. Yep. I had gestational diabetes. I had no, you know, and when you go into the military, they do a full screening, right? So my glucose was, right. you know, all those things came out just fine. So, and then fast forward to, gosh, two years later, roughly. Um, yeah, I had gestational and it just didn't go away. So, um, yeah, that's 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 my thing. Did you like feel the symptoms before you found out what was going on? No, not at all, actually, because I just I in my pregnancies, probably related to the diabetes with both of them, I just didn't have good pregnancies. I had preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure and all this water gain. And so, anyways, when the diabetes thing sort of came around, I wasn't a nurse then. I just 
I didn't know. I'm like, oh, my sugar's really high. What are we going to do about this? And I was really young and, um, you know, took the test where you drink the drink and they draw this blood and they're like, yeah, you're really elevated. So, um, yeah, I, I, and and I don't know how the experiences with your daughter was, but I literally sat there crying for about an hour before I gave my first injection. I was so scared. And now it's like, yeah, that is a horrible time. (laughs) I think for anybody, especially because it's always young people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to remember those days. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's how the journey with diabetes started. And now it just, I've been diabetic longer than I haven't been. So yeah. Um, and then my son, so I have the two boys, um, Christian is 22. Yes, he's 22. I do remember. And Jake is 18. And Jacob, the one that does the triathlon, he is also a type one. And he was diagnosed when he was about four and he had all the signs. I mean, he, he was still wearing a pull up, you know, just with some delays with, you know, autism and cognitively. And um, at that time, I was not in nursing school yet, but I was aware of obviously diabetes. And I just saw all the signs coming. So yeah, very thin. So you knew. Yeah, I tested him. I tested him when my husband was still deployed. (laughs) And his blood sugar was about 400. And I almost lost it. I was like, what am I? I'm here. Yeah. So uh, but yeah, we were getting through it. So yeah, that's that's the diabetes piece of it. So. I, I didn't know you, you were in the armed forces. So what, yeah. what position were you in? Um, I was military police and I was in the Air Force. So yeah, I um, that seems like another lifetime too. So, um, And you I were stationed in Turkey, is that right? I was, correct. So that was my first. Oh. Yeah, you well, you go to. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like Top Gun. <laughs> um, it's a very yeah. topical topic today. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's, it's hard to remember, you know, but things were different then, right? I mean, we, Mm, my husband and I were, we went off base quite often. um, And it's a beautiful place and beautiful people. And not to to say those things aren't the case now. I, you know, I'm not there. But um, yeah, we were there 15 months. And that's where we met. So, and then from there, we got um, relocated to Barksdale, Louisiana. Um, for a very short time. And then I decided to get out just a pinch before my four year mark when I got pregnant, because we knew that it was just going to be really difficult to stay together and both be in the service. So um, I separated honorably. And then his mom got her cancer came back with a vengeance. So luckily, um, he was we were relocated. He got a new job that was much better. <laughs> he was building bonds and then he went to finance. So it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big change. I know. Very 180 much. degrees. I know. So then we went to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. So that's where we had the boys and we stayed for quite a while. So, yeah. How much did all of that play into your decision to become a nurse? Yeah. So, goodness, we were, it's hard to, I'm trying the, the timeline here, right? So I... Um, Sean did nearly 10 years um, in the Air Force. We actually separated from, he separated from the Air Force when we were in Northern California. So that was our last stop um, at Beale Air Force Base. So my path then was I had just gotten a um, two-year degree in business. I didn't quite know where I was going to, you know, what my path was going to be. And then when he separated, we located to here, Temperance, Michigan, right outside of Toledo, Ohio, where he 
has his job and has had the same job. And um, then I, I decided that, you know, a, if I was going to pursue more schooling, it definitely, we couldn't have competing careers. I, I knew that I needed to be available during the day, during the summer. My, my kids are, they are severely autistic. So what that, you know, for us, the stress of trying to figure out any type of care, what if the boys couldn't go to school, things like that, we knew from the get go. Um, so, you know, nursing was a calling, no doubt about it, but it definitely is very flexible and um, also so practical. It's very practical, right? You know, you're a mom, so you get it, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, so. <laughs> totally. Yeah, so um, that was, gosh, about 12 years ago, I went to nursing school. I would never go back. <laughs> I should have been a doctor. I mean, it, it's good. I mean, we have to we have to know a lot, and 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 I was prepared in school. It was it was very difficult, but um. What kind of patients did you deal with? Yeah, so right out of nursing school, um, I was offered an opportunity, a great opportunity with the University of Michigan in their emergency department, and that's pretty tough, you know, coming right out of nursing school. I mean, I wasn't twenty years old. I was. 30, right? So I had some life skills, you know, to back that up. But um, right. So and it's funny, I have to tell you that my husband is a huge Ohio State fan. <laughs> so I said, you're just gonna have to suck it up. I'm working at the University of Michigan. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> big rivalry there, big rivalry. So, um, so I did that for five, six years. And then it was time to change. Um, my husband got a promotion where he was traveling a little bit more. Um, I was driving when I would work about an hour to work. So um, it was a calling. I knew I, I went into hospice nursing and that was about five years of doing that. So, so and yeah, sorry, I mean to cut you off. No, and so how, how did that change or impact your life in any way? You know, being a nurse, you know, seeing yeah. these people going through what they're going through, how, how did that change or impact you? Oh my goodness. It, um, when it was time to stop a year ago, it was time because it was starting to impact me in a way that probably wasn't all that healthy, meaning that I thought about death more than life. Um, and, but you know, it's, it's hard to put, I'm not going to cry. It's hard to put into words. Um, just, I felt like I was more of a social worker at times than a nurse trying to be there for the families, you know, and um, just wanting mm -hmm. to, luckily we had some really good doctors because we just, it was sort of like the ER. When I worked in the ER, you didn't really like, you had so many residents. So you made a lot of decisions and went to, you know, wh whatever doctor was in charge and you talked about it. But at the end of the day, you had a lot of responsibility. So that as well with hospice, you know, you're in these people's homes and you're giving things like morphine and, you know, stuff for nausea and things aren't working and you're I'm just calling the doctor and I'm like listen this is what's going on this is what we need to change and we had great doctors that were just like what do you need you know what I mean so it just mm -hmm. for, for me that wasn't um a time for anyone to be suffering right <laughs> you know and right. and a balance what the patient expressed they wanted right because you know it's it's hard to get you know it was hard to get them completely pain free, right? But they they wanted they had right. where you know maybe a five out of ten pain, but they were lucid and willing, you know, or able to spend time with their family um, and things like that were important. So that that was our goal is you know whatever that 
you're helping them find the balance. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, I mean, it, it, I'm, it changed me forever in a very good way. So I, I definitely appreciate life. And I, and, you know, I think once I meet people or I develop a real relationship, even if it's all via messaging, you know, that's what sort of plays into my personality. You know what I mean? I, with that position in hospice and what, my family has been through. And I'm not, I don't say it like, feel sorry for me, right? I say it more like, I've seen everything, I think, <laughs> literally. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just, there's a point where it's just, you, you have to have humor, and you have to be willing to just um, say some things that some people aren't comfortable saying and just trying to get people to laugh. I mean, that's, that's certainly a goal of mine. <laughs> I think that totally comes across. You're so genuine, but also like just really empathetic and yeah. human and enthusiastic, all like wrapped up. I, I just, I think it comes across just as much probably online as it, as it undoubtedly does in person. Absolutely. I really hope so. I mean, cause I really, I, I joke that I don't have a filter, but you know, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, your emoji uses, you know, your own emoji game is, is spot on. <laughs> no one can understand it, really. And that's the same with, you know, you ask a friend and they get a text from me and they're like, I have no idea. I have no idea what she just said. And I'm like, and then I might read it like two days later. I'm like, what was I saying? <laughs> it's like those old puzzles with the pictures instead of words. You just got to. <laughs> exactly. So. It's like I'm a puzzle with every post. <laughs> I'm working on it. I really am. <laughs> so you mentioned your kids and autism a couple of times and would just love to hear you talk more about autism and what exactly it is. Because I think, you know, most most of us, most people, they are aware of this condition called autism, but not so much what it is. And I think even in the medical world, there are quite a few question marks in the area. So it would just be great to hear from someone like yourself who sees and lives about lives it every day. Yeah, well, I like to say, I don't know if it's said before, but you meet one autistic individual, you've literally met one autistic individual. Um, mm. It's, you know, my, um, they're just, they, when yeah. I say they, I'm, I'm referring to a person, not just, you know, clumping them all together, but just so different. And I'm, I mean, I live it every day, how different my boys are. So, um, you know, personally for me, that experience, um, and this probably could be a whole other podcast, so I'll try to keep it short. But, you know, Christian, my oldest was diagnosed, like, right at the two-year mark. And that was a long time ago, you know, 20 years ago. So we didn't even know. We're like, Rain Man, what is autism? You know, we were devastated, you know, young parents sitting in a... um developmental pediatrician office, you know, doing these tests. And, you know, that was the diagnosis. So, you know, fast forward to Jacob. um, And, you know, for Christian, we didn't, we were new parents. So you really don't, can't quite put it together. You don't know what's normal and what's different. Nope. I mean, he was walking a little late, but it's like gross motor stuff with, you know, pretty much, you know, fine motor. Um, He didn't, you know, some, you know, some individuals, completely lose they have an ability to speak they completely lose it there's you know theories there's many different theories as to what the possible you know what causes autism you know some people feel the vaccine I could go on and on right so I didn't you know looking back Sean and I looking on videos and whatnot we didn't see 
any huge change in Christian. We didn't see, you know, just a progression of, you know, any kind of speech. And he he had eye contact. I mean, my boys to this day still have pretty good eye contact. You know, those type of markers weren't really um, significant with my kids. But, you know, it, you know, the fact of the matter is that we don't know, right? Um, and environmentally, I believe, you know, it isn't getting better. You know, there's there's more and more kids that are diagnosed. Right. Is it premature diagnosis? I don't know. I mean, that's not my position to, you know, I don't, I try not to criticize, you know what I mean? I do have my opinion, but at the end of the day, you know, we're at, we're in a, we're at an older age. So I worry, you know, I, I, I want to be there for those young parents. It's such a difficult time, but also I'm worried about what happens when, you know, Sean and I aren't around, you know what I mean? Those services are really lacking. So um, right. you know, not into go into a textbook of what autism is. I'm sorry, sort of, you know, but it's a neurological, you know, there's different, there's cognitive delays or speech delays or, um, you know, social, emotional delays. Um, and, it, you know, hard, you know, they have a hard time making those connections, you know, with their peers. And it really depends. It's a spectrum, you know, right? So you have at one end, you know, severe autism, if you will. At the other end, you have more of a high functioning Asperger's. So um, you know, that's the thing is, I like to, I like to feel lucky in that my kids are definitely not high Asperger, high functioning kids. But I, my heart breaks, because a lot of those kids and moms are dealing with some really mean people. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was gonna say, as your as your boys are now transitioning to young men, do you find that it, you know, they face a different reaction than being a, a young young child with maybe an outburst or a nonverbal or something as opposed to being, you know, a, a young man out in society. Is it different? Yeah, I don't, you know, here's the thing is that, you know, for both the boys, they can't express to me even if their stomach hurts, right? So they aren't expressing to me that their feelings are hurt, but that's not to be right. taken away from. There are plenty of um, adults and teenagers and young children that are on the spectrum. And um, that's why it's so important to bring true acceptance. I mean, I firmly believe that awareness is just that word, even just, eh, it doesn't sit with me well, right? You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. people need to be more accepting of, and just be kind and be patient. And so for, for me and my boys, you know, Jake can't tell me if, his feelings are hurt if someone's staring at him or whatnot. I, um, so I, I do, I guess I'm, I, I don't know if I want to say I'm lucky in that respect. Right. You know, but I'm still fighting for <laughs> those kids that can verbalize that, you know what I mean? So, um, so right. in those parents that are experiencing that more on a daily basis where their kids are coming home and, you know, struggling, right. Socially and being accepted. So, um, yeah, for me personally, that's not, know my biggest struggle right right yeah i think in terms of awareness uh i'm not sure if you guys have seen there's a show on netflix called atypical or atypical i don't know how to pronounce that which uh, yeah, that. yeah it tells a story about a, a kid who has autism and i think that for me has been a sort of a first window you not know, to see exactly what are the challenges that uh, that people on, on the spectrum can can uh, go through especially i think the the age of the the, the main character, he must be, I don't know, in his late teens, you now going into university. So it's, I think it's a, it's a very interesting way, you know, to, to understand what they, 
what, what, what autism is pretty much and what, what it goes through, no? So I guess uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I've heard of that show. I, I'm, <laughs> some people are going to like roll their eyes. I've never even Netflix, whatever that means. Uh, sorry, it's really sad. <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't lie here. <laughs> I, I, you weren't kidding about technology. Am, hey, listen. Hey, listen, Robin. I got a lot of autism and I got a lot of diabetes. And that's what I tell people when they ask me if I do Strava. I'm like, no, I do not do, do Strava. <laughs> but um, I hear you. But, but I have heard things about the show. And I think that it's nice that they're trying to actually portray actual, you know, what's really going on, right? Not sugarcoat it. You know what I mean? And, and you know, right. it's. It's a good thing. I mean, it, I definitely see it as a good thing. The more that we can, um, you know, understand it, you know, or try to understand it, because there's things that I just take for granted, right? That yeah. if you're not living in my home, you know, for a week, you're not going to realize exactly, you know, what autism can look like. So, yeah. So that's that's kind of a good segue. I'm interested in what, you know, as a mother, as a triathlete, as you know, the autism, the diabetes and everything, what is a week in your home like? Because, you know, we see all the training pictures and, and everything and, and you share like across the spectrum, but wrap it all up for us. Like what's a week for, for Julie? Yeah. What's a week. So I'm, I'm officially retired <laughs> nursing. Uh, yeah. It's that's a joke in the house. My husband's like, he sort of stopped asking anymore uh, because he sees the good, right? You know, at the end of the day, right. advocacy is not paying the bills. You know what I mean? But it's like it's about, <laughs> right. it's about pursuing your passion. And um, you know, I've really thought about writing. Um, if I could sit down long enough, I have a I have a difficult time doing that, but I'm learning to do it better. Not saying that I'm super active. It's just my I've always got ten things going on in my brain. So to try to get that away, um, I'd like to do more of that. But yeah, we have two dogs. We have two rescue dogs. We have a squirrel. I'm sure you've, I hope you've heard about the squirrel. I need to post more of that. But, um, and the boys. Definitely are, more squirrel. More squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, my girl squirrel. So, um, and the husband, he generally works. He has about an hour commute to work and he generally works one day from home. The boys are in school. You know, that's another piece of it. Michigan is, I, I want to it's got to be one of the last states that provides um, structured education, whether it's actual like in a school or job like structured job opportunities for adults with disabilities until the age of 26. That's huge. I mean, it's oh, it's, nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, people will literally move to Michigan, you know, come over the state line or move a few states over because some I don't want to speak for every state. My sister was a special education professor in Arizona, but I believe that's like 19. So that's a chunk of time, right? So the boys are in school. And then generally, um, once they get home, it's just Jake was doing a tremendous amount of home therapy. We've taken a little break from that um, for many of reasons, but we'll get back to it. But it's usually a workout with dad. You know, I think in your, when I read some of the points that we might be talking about, it was, you know, what are you most proud of? I mean, hands down, I am, I am so proud. I'm not only proud of my son, both of them, but I'm just so proud of my husband. I mean, he, you know, as a dad, there was never that opportunity for that father-son connection, even though he tried tirelessly. And over the past year and a half, um, it's just amazing to see them together 
he doesn't even like today they headed out to the trails and Jacob was a little tired and there was no like Jake was going with him no matter what. <laughs> um <laughs> they that bond and the I know, right? I'm just like, honey, give him a little bit of time. We don't want him to say no because it could <laughs> go the other way, you know. <laughs> but um you know, I couldn't do what they do. I could, first of all, I can hardly manage myself on a ta- my own bike. I won't even get on the tandem with my husband. They think it's like, he thinks it's a joke. Like, come on, get on the back. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. But, um, and you know, the, that relationship, I mean, I would just be a nervous wreck if I had to do a whole triathlon with Jake. So that's the other piece of it is that Jake over the past year and a half, we have worked really, really hard. And he, this year, completed six sprint triathlons and so yeah that's um, so awesome yeah and it's 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 hard to put into words how how long that took and how much therapy we had a phenomenal therapist through our insurance she was like part of our family for three years we had to break down so many different steps just to get him to be swimming laps in the pool without doing things like jumping out and like going into another area, you know, the other side of the pool, or possibly, you know, years ago, ripping labels off of the side of slides. I mean, I could go on and on the things that Jacob was doing. Just, uh, yeah, it's, it, I mean, you don't even know how many driver's license I had. That boy could rip a driver's license with his teeth. I am not joking. I mean, so, well, yeah, right, right. They, they got to know who I was. I'm like, I swear I hit it. He found it, you know, so. um, But I mean, I joke about it, but it's it's really serious. I mean, these, these families, we still I mean, the things that we work through, most people will be like, Oh, my goodness, I can't believe you do that on a daily basis. But it pales in comparison to what we were going through. I mean, um, just a short time ago. So, so yeah, to answer your question, Robin, it's we do work out a lot. It's usually taking turns. And then my oldest Christian, um, we say he's a professional eater. He um, loves to eat, <laughs> which is great. Oh, I like to cook. <laughs> yeah, but um, he likes his time. So you cook dad. a lot. I do. I do cook a lot. We save a lot of money. We don't go out to eat much. <laughs> um, and he loves to go to the Y. Um, we have a local YMCA. It's about a mile away. And he just loves going with dad and doing weights. And today they just hit the treadmill. Sean did some speed work and Christian did his walking. So yeah, it's what we, I mean, it's just, we, we love doing it. I mean, honestly, we, that's just our routine. So um, yeah, so that's the week. So everything you had going on, how did you come across about triathlon? Like what made you want to attract to the sport? And, you know, like you already had so much going on and this would just be another challenge, another um, thing to tackle. So how, why and how did you get into it? Yeah, so that's pretty boring. I literally was just getting bored with running. I mean, I wasn't, I was an average, I'm still, I'm getting slower much, but I was just an average runner. But I was just like, I don't want to just run anymore. I want to do something else. And to be honest, and when I had talked to Erin, the editor at Triathlete Magazine, she's like, well, why triathlon? I'm like, I don't remember. I don't. It's like childbirth. I don't know, but I do. So this is one of those things. One of those things, right, which is sort of big, right? Um, But I was, it was, (laughs) I know, it was when I was going to nursing school, I was working in an emergency room, another hospital. It was a midnight shift. And I remember getting off that shift as a technician and going right to a local triathlon um, and wanting to watch. And I watched and I was like, I'm going to do this. 
So I have to add that the Bakis are very frugal. I love that word. We are, we could be millionaires and we are just like, we are very, you know, triathlon is very expensive, right? So it's like, we like to. Yeah, it's not a frugal sport. No, it's not. But it's like, you better believe if I get something, I'm using it till it's done. I mean, that's just, it's how it is. So um, anyways, long story short, I told my husband, you know, this is what I want to do. And he was just a runner. He was a runner for quite a few years afterwards, which was easy. But um, so we went to Target and I got the Schwinn man's bike. I'm not even joking. Now it's. <laughs> Thinking back, this thing was huge. I mean, I'm a tall girl. I'm not petite by any means, but, and that was my bike for the first, I did a woman's only triathlon. Um, and I think I had it the whole first summer, maybe the second, but, um, yeah, I, I believe it's about the motor. I mean, you know, it's great to have like cool stuff and it does help, but yeah, the Schwinn, the Schwinn. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the Ironman world record right now isn't that much faster than like Dave Scott on an all steel road bike. I, I mean, know, it's faster, right? but it's not that much faster, right? Great. It's not that <laughs> it is much the engine. Road. Yeah. So when Sean did wanted to do his first triathlon, I'm like, oh, you're using the Schwinn. Like, <laughs> you're using the Schwinn. <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah. And he was, he was down. He's like, he's like, that's good, you know, but it was a man's bike. I mean, it was huge. But um, yeah, so we sent. <laughs> donated the Schwinn to one of his, I think it's one of his employees actually wanted to do a triathlon like two years ago. And, and he's like, I got to give you the Schwinn. Come on here, take the Schwinn. (laughs) (laughs) So we passed it along. So we no longer have it. So yeah, that's how I got into it. And I just done it ever since at least probably two to three a summer. And then it sort of varied and it just progressed through sprint Olympic calves and then you know, this was my first Iron Man, so yeah. 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 The big one. <laughs> the big one, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, actually, I have a question. Yes. Because so you said you are uh, type one diabetes, right? Correct. Yep. And uh, even myself, I, I don't have diabetes, and I really struggle sometimes with nutrition. Even my last race, I bonked a couple of times because I completely messed up, and so I, I guess. For us, for all the listeners, it would be important to understand what's uh, what's the hardship you know, of being a so, someone who has diabetes and to try to do something like an like a full Ironman, no? Because uh, from from my definition point of view, my definition of diabetes is you don't produce insulin, therefore you cannot uh, process the the glucose, and then you have a high blood sugar. But then if you do a triathlon the least thing you should be worried about is having high blood sugar because you're just consuming all of that. So in theory, that, that, that should be great. But, but still, I know it's hard. So I guess uh, if you can just tell us a bit uh, what's the actual hardship you know, of trying to, like for example, you just completed a full Ironman like, and how to do that when you are, have diabetes. Yeah, so I don't want to miss a point that you just said when you said something like, well, I, I, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm not sorry if it doesn't come out quite right, but something like when what's not the big deal, but if you're elevated, well, that's, it's not, it's okay, you know, because you're eating all this food and whatnot. But the the point is, if you're elevated, and for me, even so a normal blood sugar, roughly, and I'm just, I'm just speaking as a lay person, not as a nurse, or, you know, just someone with diabetes is, let's say roughly 80 to 120. So 
even if I reside in that above 200 when I'm exercising, I don't feel very good. I'm just more tired. You can't breathe as well. There's just things aren't there. I could go on and on, right? And likewise, if I'm in a six, you know, 60, 50 or below, that's not safe. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, it's not a good number to be at. So the goal for me, um, and, and to speak to Ironman versus a sprint, it's, it's, uh, it can be just as difficult. I mean, the length of time to manage during a sprint is obviously a lot shorter, but you just have adrenaline going and I want to go as hard as I can. And then your body just can't catch up. I could take a really big shot of insulin and I might still end at 280 to 300 blood sugar because of the fact that just metabolic process, you know, uh, uh, adrenaline, things like that are going. So, but so in managing my blood sugar at an Ironman distance was easier in that I was much more steady um, with Okay. how I could predict when I would take an, eje- an injection and the ratio I would need of carbohydrates. And it was easier, somewhat easier to practice that in training um, as well, because I'm, I could go for a bike ride that's going to be close to the, you know, the intensity that I would do during an Ironman um, event. Granted, with all that being said, this is my first one. So it was like, you know, it, there was a lot that I learned, that's for, for certain. So, um, and then I had taken quite a bit of time to decide that I wanted to get a coach. It was just necessary. I'd never had a coach before. I just, my priority is my family and I don't want to take away from how important coaching is, but it's an expense, right? So, um, but at an Ironman, I don't know how to plan for this. I would be like, well, maybe I should ride you know, a five hour ride three times before I do the event, I needed that piece of it. And then also my coach um, runs helps run like diabetes camps, he had that knowledge base. So Robin, you would understand that. Wow, that's great. I know. So it's like we, I could say things and he gets it without me having to teach him, you know, about diabetes. So explain everything. Yeah. So one thing he brought up, um, that was pretty significant working with him and my endocrinologist is um, I increased, so I'm on two different types of insulin. I don't have an insulin pump right now. Um, I, that's another, that's another. Well, I was going to ask about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Exactly. I had it for oof, eight years. Um, it was just a choice. I went back to injections for a little bit. It's working out well. Um, I take a long acting insulin. I split it twice a day. So with long acting insulin, um, the goal with John, um, my coach and the endocrinologist is we would work to try to increase that slightly so that I wouldn't be needing as much injections of the short acting insulin. So a short oh, during acting the race. Yeah. During the race or just in general. And it's worked out really nicely. Like I, I don't, um, during, during the race, and this would be interesting for you, Robin, I don't know what your daughter's on, but, um, I did not require, I took, um, my insulin in the morning, my short act, my long, I, I always would take the long insulin twice on that, on that day, but the short acting insulin to cover the carbohydrates. So I wouldn't be high during the race. I took it in the morning and then I took a small one right before the swim. And then I took a shot before the bike and a secondary shot midway on the bike. And then I took no more. And I consumed Robin like easily 
uh, I haven't added up yet because I'm going to blog it, but every aid station I was taking about on the run, I was taking about 20 to 30 grams each aid station. And I didn't take any. Wow. I know. So I think I just need to do an Ironman every day. And then I would. <laughs> <laughs> it's really complicated. I know nurse, you know, I, um, I, I have nurses, friends that are nurses that have been nurses 20 years and they still get sort of nervous when you talk about insulin and diabetes and because um, it is quite complicated. But um, yeah, it's well, I also think like just for everybody listening and my co-host, like y- you're really soft pedaling, like all the decisions you made with your coach, you know, input and stuff like you're taking insulin before going to swim in cold water, which raises your heart rate and your adrenaline, you're making an educated guess. And then if that insulin, you know, if it works too well, you start going low, like you can pass out. These are big, like game changing decisions. I, I just, I mean, I think it's, it's such a serious thing. And yet you're really just out there doing it. It's, it really impresses me so much. Well, I appreciate that. I, I do like when I'm able to talk to people that are involved in the sport and then it's, affects them directly, whether it's them or a child usually, right? So um, I'll tell you what, I mean, I practiced a lot. I had so many swims that I literally, so I have like a three hour routine um, where I have a, have a set of numbers, right? So if I wake up at 120, or as, as opposed to if I wake up at 200, and when I say that, that's a blood sugar number, then I would take a certain amount of insulin right when I woke up with my long X, I would take my short and my long, depending on what that number is. And I would eat the same exact breakfast. And for the Ironman, it was, um, and I, I sort of used it for Olympic distance as well. But I did three eggs. Um, I would do two cups of coffee, which are small, but in my coffee, I'd like coconut oil and a little bit of butter, some like fat and stuff. And then um, I would do a kind bar. Um, and yeah, I just practiced and practiced. And then I would um, do some, like I had a few straight swims that were about 4,400 um, meters. And I would take a break in the middle and, um, and then test. And yeah, so it was a lot of practice. It is, <laughs> but it is, you're right. I mean, my, so another piece of it, it gets more complicated is I, and I don't know if your daughter has a Dexcom sensor. Yeah, Dexcom. Yeah, does she have one? Yeah, she does. That's why your your sticker oh. things cracked me up because she loves oh, those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Does she have the six or the five? That I can't tell you. Like, does her, does she have a little, well, there's a new one. Well, anyways, that's a side it's note. It's like a but, pod kind of a thing that she sticks on with the little cutout sticker thing. Hmm. That's so technical, I know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that could be for another, you know, my, I'm all, hmm, let's start talking about this. <laughs> That's just how I am. Okay, I, will, I won't go off on that. Right. But, uh, but anyways, for me, I don't have the pump. I have um, a transmitter that is on my body. That's what I try to say it so people can understand. Um, it's a small little transmitter that I put on my body a certain way. And it speaks to Right now, it speaks to my Apple phone, which speaks to my Apple Watch. Um, and I have that wow. right. And we're hoping through the FDA that eventually it'll just speak directly to the watch. Um, so I won't have to have my phone on me. But that that was another thing when I went to one of the referees at Ironman. Um, not that I'm Oh, winning. yeah, you have to have your phone. Yeah, and it's like right on my bike. And I mean, they were like... 
obviously no big deal, but it was like, I just needed to tell them, even though, like I said, I'm not winning, you know, I'm not I'm worried about that part of it, but um, they were fantastic. And I, I did another race where I went to another referee and they were just like, okay, great. Give me your number. No big deal. Got it. So, um, but I could not do, I, I, I don't, I have great insurance. I have my own sex com does not pay me. I want to make that no one pays me for that matter. But um, I could not do it without that sensor. There is no way. I mean, there is no possible way. Um, because I wouldn't know what my numbers were all the time. And you can't stop in an Ironman every 10 to 15 minutes and poke your finger and see what your number is, you know, so yeah, I actually read an article like maybe 15 years ago about a guy that did that. He brought the little finger sticks along. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was crazy. I was just like so in awe. But oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. The Dexcom makes well, yeah, you could. at least that part of it I know. easier. And I, and I want to say, I guess you could, right? Um, I just, first of all, I need to know my number. Like, all the, yeah. I need to know it all the time. All right, exactly. It's like... Uh, and it's a good, healthy obsession, right? It's not like I'm looking at it every five minutes at home, but you could, you, you get it, Robin. I mean, you could easily practice the same thing and then crash or yeah. be too high. Or so if I was faster, maybe I could finger stick every 20 minutes because I could make the cutoff. But for me personally, it wouldn't happen. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't stop my bike and do it all right, that time. So, right. um, yeah. And my sensor, um, I carried a meter on me, my coach, and I agreed that, I need to have it on me just in case. So I had a pouch with, uh, I could just go on and on about this different stuff that I carry. But for me, I had to carry the, I had to carry a little meter. So I had a meter, I had a few test strips. I had the poker just in case, but I never need to use it. It worked spot on. Thank God. I mean, thank God. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. So, yeah. But that just shows how much more you are dealing with than just the normal, I mean, exactly. I mean, to complete an Ironman is an accomplishment. This is like crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Rocket science. Yeah, some people say, you know, they bonked and stuff like that. And it doesn't phase me. Like, I don't get mad about it. But one time, one of my really good friends, he said something about he thought his sugar was low and he wasn't diabetic. And I just, I gave him a look like, come here, buddy. I want to, <laughs> I want to punch you. <laughs> that's the only time. I swear that's the only time that I was like, I was not happy about that. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, listen, that's where hospice comes in. I'm not dying. I'm not, it's, it's manageable as long as I, I have take control, you know, and it's, and no day is perfect. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's another that's another thing with us diabetics. We always feel like we're not doing good enough, you know, and um, just to know that it's, and sometimes when you're involved in sports, your A1C, which is your three month average when you go into the doctor is not always that pretty because you have those highs and lows and trying to figure it out with exercise. Mm. So um, yeah, it's manageable. That's how I, I, I believe it. So um, I appreciate though that <laughs> it's nice to hear that from people. <laughs> yeah, you're so impressive. So, do you think the triathlon has helped with your, you know, diabetes? Oh yeah, I mean, I um, my I got all my toes. You know, I don't have any kind of like retina, you know, neuropathy, which is you know, like sometimes like tingling pain in your extremities. Like, there's my eyes have been bad since I was a teenager, so that hasn't changed. You see that sometimes with diabetics, you know, loss of vision, things like that. So knock on wood, um, I, I do, I, I'm doing okay. You know what I mean? So I, I don't take that for granted. I mean that I'm 43. I mean, those things can change, but, um, yeah, exercise, 
the the impact that it has on insulin is you cannot deny it. You don't need to do blood work to know it. If you live it, you know that the more you move, you need less insulin and it's going to work better. But you have to be you have to be aware of that as well cuz like Robin was saying, it people can have seizures. I mean, I I've been pretty low. I was pretty low during the bike um and I've never had a seizure. I get really foggy. I've gotten in the middle of the night if I've woken up low, I'm real sweaty. I mean, everyone has their own signs, but um, knock on wood, I mean, I I don't, it's not my goal to be low, right? But it happens. So, um, right. but yeah, I mean, can, I mean, it's been great for Jake as well. I mean, he's he's got a long road. He's 18, you know, and the exercise, it's not only helped, I mean, with his anxiety, with his autism and, and just you know, I try to think about people in general, right? You know, how we feel after we exercise, right? Right. <laughs> he's that person too, you know, autistic and diabetic, but he's a, he's just a guy, you know, and he, he has frustrations and he needs to, you know, run it out. So, um, yeah, we love it. We, I mean, I sound like I'm some, I'm selling triathlon. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but, but we, we do love it. So, yeah. So did he get, like, did he get involved after seeing you or, like, did he want to do it or did you guys have to, like, push him a little bit or how did that work? Yeah, so we started with running first and I have pictures of when he ran some local races with dad and he was easy, maybe six or seven. I cannot even tell you. It was, I think we almost got, like, divorced 20 times while we were trying to do this. I'm joking. We did it. <laughs> but it was, makeup would do things like, um, he had he has different compulsions, um, OCDs, if you will. Um, they've gotten much better, but way back when, I mean, he would, we would be on a run course and we would worry that he's going to just take off trying to like peel a label off like someone's car or, um, rip, you know, see a tag on someone's clothes and just go after it. I mean, it was, yes, yes. So, and we, we were, I believe that people need to be accepting. But I also believe that um, I have to also be aware of other people and respect, right? You know what I mean? And and right. if there's something really important that Jake wants to be involved in, so for example, triathlon, he might have a, he might finger bite because he's frustrated and sort of do a, like a grunt real loud. And I think people need to get over that, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, if they look because they're sort of startled, then so be it. But likewise, he doesn't really care about going to the library. So we're probably not going to go because it's a quiet place. Right. And I respect, so that's, that's how I look at um, bringing my family into just taking them out. We go out, we go lots of different places, but it's like, if it's not, I pick my battles. Right. So, um, you know, Jacob, we, we just kept going with the running thing. We're like, this is hopefully this finally clicks. And we would go to a track and be like, just one time. And he was so mad the whole time. I mean, he was pissed. <laughs> um, and we would just get home and, and let him, right? And then it just clicked. And I, and yes, we would, we've been doing travel on a long time or races and the boys would be maybe, you know, I, I drive places on a marathon course where I know I could see Sean and it was easier for the boys to be sitting in the car, like just sort of, you know, us all just not worrying about like if, you know, whatever. So, um, Jake saw it. And then now it's funny because Sean did um, the USAT Nationals in Cleveland this year. 
and he pulled out his numbers to put on the night before. And Jacob literally pulled his his sleeves up for dad to put the numbers on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he, I mean, he loves it. And 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 Sean told me and my sister who came in for the Iron Man, she said, I think Jake wanted to do the Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> so has he ever pulled the numbers off of your bike or helmet or something? Yeah, right. Oh yeah. Well that's <laughs> Yeah, let's not talk about that. Because even this year, Sean had the helmet because he wanted the number off Sean's helmet. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, just leave it in the car. Don't bring it in the hotel room. It's in the car. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he it's now it's um, now we'll, we'll do like five. Like they're doing a 5K next weekend. And um, we'll try to get him running in races as long as, you know, the weather allows here in Michigan. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. So and to add in. I worry more about his diabetes, right? Because he can't say I'm low, but dad. True. Right. Sean's mom was a type 1 diabetic. Um, she's passed years ago with the cancer, but he grew up with diabetes as well. And now he has a wife and a son. So he does. I don't even really, they do their thing. I mean, it's nice. Yeah. I don't even have to worry. So, um, yeah. <laughs> They're not my kids anymore. They're like, they just like dad. They don't even really like me. So, you know, whatever. I just, uh, no, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> sort of. Well, I have, to, I have to say that I don't know anything. Well, I didn't know anything about uh, sort of autism before I saw this this show that I mentioned, right? Yeah. And uh, there's, two, there's two things that I, that, I, that I noticed about that is that, obviously, number one, the main thing is there's a, difficulty in communication between them like just like you mentioned if they have a stomach ache they wouldn't tell you things like that uh but also there's this thing about they they are conscious or the way they show it is that they are conscious of their condition and uh, they also show how they can become frustrated because of that um but however when i saw your your instagram post uh, when you have uh, your son there finishing those races so he's always he's always smiling in all the pictures that you show. He's always smiling, which to me tells you two things. Like, first of all, it tells you like he's he doesn't feel frustrated because he feels like he, he can actually do things like triathlon, which is not a a simple thing by any matter. And also, it um, the good thing is that you know it because he's smiling because of that. It's not because he's smiling in one picture; he's smiling in all the pictures. So that tells you that he's communicating to you. That he feels, uh, he feels great from doing those things. I guess so. I guess that's a, it's a great thing. Yeah, it's so nice to hear too. Because I know just being a mom, you know, you sort of get into just knocking things off for the day, or when it's a race, like just getting it done. I'm certainly in the moment. I mean, certainly Instagram has changed things a little bit, right? But it's, um, you're so right because someone more more people than I. I don't think about it as much as people tell me that you can tell that he is really proud of himself. Like it's, it's really cool. He would never to this day. I don't take anything away from my kids. Right. But to this day, he's never said, mom, I'm really proud of myself. Right. You know what I mean? But it's like, even when he gets home, like dad and him have his routine where like different I don't even, I don't even know half the time where everything goes, but they put metals in certain spots and they take the hammer and they go hang it up. And he just, you know, he might want to be home and just start YouTubing and I'll just see him grinning. Like, and it's hard to know what he's processing, right? Because sometimes like out of the blue, 
he shows signs of being really frustrated. And like, we haven't put any demands on him right at that moment, right? Likewise, you know, not, you know, he might be super happy, and it could be hours after he completed the event. But he know he knows 99% of the time, I can trust if I ask him a yes or no question, I know I'm gonna, he's gonna tell me what he wants. And he has never said no, never. But mm. this morning was funny because he crawled in bed. I was still in bed and Sean was up and they had to go do their run and we're trying to build up mileage. And he put the blanket over his head and Sean's like, dude, you ready to go run? He's like, no. And I looked at Sean. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> not good. <laughs> I said, I gave him a look like, go do, I don't know, go sweep something. There's something that needs to be cleaned and I give him a few minutes. And, and he and he was. And he has a sense of humor because we'll ask him, like, who do you love? mom or dad and he'll get a big grin and he'll be like dad and then i'll be like what and he'll be like mom so it's like those little things gosh they must be like uh, i don't know other parents might just think it's nothing but to us it's and like he texts now and he'll text things that we don't text him which is huge i mean it's yeah i absolutely that just makes that makes my heart oh yeah yeah so um well, and to have the technology available to do that is so cool. Like 40 years ago. Yeah, no, you know, it wasn't right. Not there. It wasn't happening. So yeah, it's, I could just go on and on. I really appreciate you guys asking because that's what, you know, it's, there's two really big things that I'm passionate about and it's hard to like, uh, focus Separate on them. one more. I know. Right. And it's, but, um, it's, it's really important that I'm able to, it's hard to write things in a post. You know what I mean? And I can't talk to everyone. So that's why when you guys asked to do the podcast, I was like, I was a little nervous. I mean, I don't know why I was nervous. I think I would have been less nervous if we were all sitting in a room together. You know what I mean? But um, I just Well, we're in a big room called the <laughs> Total Globe. <laughs> there we go. Right. And that's just the way that it is. I mean, I got over that pretty quickly. My husband was a little resistant. I have to tell you for the first few months, like, what are you doing? Like, have you lost your mind? And I'm like, no, this is just, just bear with me. Like, I know that I can reach people. So, um, and I know that we have a pretty, we got a lot of issues. That's why I was on the, that's why I was on the magazine cover. Cause we have a lot of, you know, <laughs> but that's okay. I, I'll take my issues. Or cause, cause you're it, totally awesome. Duh. <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a good thing. So I do, I, I was excited when, um, when I got the message about Monday, I don't think I slept Sunday. My legs hurt so bad. Like, I don't even think I slept. So I was like, <laughs> oh my, I think I read it. I don't even know. But I was just like, oh my goodness. I don't even think I could think. So, and it was important. I wanted to be candid and I wanted to, um, you know, talk about important stuff and be like clear-minded. So this worked out great. So, yeah. Well, I'm I'm just ex excited that you have had so many platforms to share your experience and your family's experience, you know, between the magazine and yeah. Instagram podcasts, you know, just that so many more people get to hear your experience, your family's experience. Yeah, me too. Certainly, for sure. <laughs> it makes it, it, it certainly made the doing an Ironman, you know, I had a lot more reasons to finish. You know what I mean? So I'm, I feel like I'm lucky with that. You know what I mean? I, I really, it's not like I had to prove anything by, by any means, but you know, there's, there's people going, have a lot. Harder Rooting for you. Yeah. So um, it was, 
as long as my bike didn't break, I that literally was my biggest fear. Is break when I say break, that's such such a general. But I mean, I knew how to fix the tire. I could have managed that, but um, that was just an issue this year. So, anyways, for that being said, I'm like, I knew once if I could just make sure that my bike co- cooperated and it did, then I'm like, I can walk. I'm the fastest walker in the world. So if I have to walk, <laughs> then so be it. So I'll get through it. So yeah, it was that, that, I don't know if I, I'm trying to remember, what, but if any of you did an Ironman, but that finish line is just amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like no other. I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah. That was pretty cool. So. Well, especially your first one. How magical. I know. So I probably shouldn't do another one. <laughs> <laughs> Because then it won't be the same. <laughs> All right, Julie. So just to sort of wrap things up, we'll find a few questions here. Yeah. Um, so going forward, what do you want your next chapter title to be? Yeah, I just, um, you know, it's a work in progress, right? I talked about, I thought I thought for a few years that I really wanted to write. Um, so um, that certainly is on the table. Um, I'm looking to possibly do that. And I just want to look to partner with, you know, people that, that believe in getting the message across. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a work in progress for sure. So, I mean, I'm sure you guys have experience with Instagram where, you know, you get these messages, like you, I'll send you socks and then, you know, will you post about it? (laughs) And I'm always, you know, I, I don't answer sometimes, but sometimes I'm just like, you know, I really appreciate it, but that's not really what I'm about. You know what I mean? So, um, I've had, you know, right. So, I mean, just looking at the bigger picture of how I can, you know, impact um, and just have a life that has more meaning and help more people. So I know that's such a big general, you know, statement, but that's just really how I, how I feel right now. And I don't really know what that next step is. So yeah, just being open to that, just letting life sort of, you know, make dinner every day and then see what happens tomorrow. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And what, what's the message you want people listening to this to take away from your story? Yeah, just just be kind, be open minded, you know, particularly when it comes to and it's just not autism. It's, you know, any type of disability. I mean, it could be a, you know, outward physical disability. Um, you know, it, it's human nature. I mean, my kids do things that are not the norm, right? There's no there's no normal, right? But it, it can sort of catch your attention and that's okay that you look, you know, because I do it as well. If there, I have a, you know, a friend that has a daughter with CP cerebral palsy and, you know, she has some, you know, when she, you know, when she, anyways, the point being that it's, you know, people just look, but don't look again. And if you look again, you know, look at that parent, like, you know, give them like, Hey, you know, I don't know, just a loving look or, you know, approach and, give a high five, you know, anything like that. Just, you know, certainly be more accepting that people are different. And, you know, as long as no one, you know, my goal is, you know, I don't ever want to hurt anyone. Or I don't want to be disrespectful. Right. So I just, that's why I want, you know, people to be more accepting of us. And when I say us, I mean, just general disabilities. So that's, you know, definitely mm-hmm. the takeaway. So, and as far as the diabetes, you know, listen, I don't, I'm not perfect and neither is anyone else. I don't have a ton of tolerance or patience for people that have a lot of excuses. You know what I mean? So it's like, just, you know, 
no excuses. Just you don't do a triathlon. You don't even really have to work out. I mean, just, you know, get up a little bit if you can control your diet a little more. You know what I mean? But I like to eat. So I like to exercise. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's, listen, you do the things that you're supposed to do now because otherwise, fast forward to 20 years and you're going to be living your life in and out of doctor appointments. You know what I mean? And that might not happen. That might happen anyways but try to do the things to prevent that. So yeah, that's, I guess that's my takeaway. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. And are there any people, brands that you'd like to give a shout out to? Yeah. I, um, you know, without going into, I feel like I've been rambling. I'm sure we're at time, but you know, when we, when this whole magazine thing happened and I think, I feel like I've told this story a hundred times, but just in a nutshell, Sean and I were in the hotel room and, um, Oh gosh, Corey and Aaron and Ollie, all the the team that works on the magazine, they're like forever friends. And Corey walked in with an immense amount of things from Zoot Sports. And, you know, it said right in the writing that you just wear it for the shoot and give it back. And he said, nope, they want you to have it. And they didn't know us. And, um, you know, I think people are confused. I mean, even the, the, the Great Lakes, um, captain for Zoot, it was confused. He's like, who are you and why are you not on our team? <laughs> I, I didn't even know the team existed. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't on social media. I never saw him at races. But, um, you know, I, I'm i I'm about relationships. And, you know, it's it's been developing. And Sean O'Shea, you know, with Zoot is, he's just, we have a, a friendship. And um, he, it, it, it's slow going, but I hope that, with his help, I can bring more awareness. And that's what I want. So and that's what I mean, forever grateful for that. So um, where that leads, I'm also looking to get more connected with autism speak. Um, that's in the works. Um, I'm with diabetes sports project. That's a great group as well. Um, yeah, it, the list could go on and on. <laughs> but that's what I'm about. I just it's about relationships. It's not about like what I can get, you know what I mean? It's about who you know, who wants to take the time to listen and see that, you know, there's people that need help. And I want to try to, you know, yeah. help. It's a small mm. way, but I certainly, um, and they, and they let me be me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I can't be very serious. I've sat in, mm-hmm. I've sat in a school board meeting where I've advocated like no, one like I, I, there's a time to certainly be serious. And I, and I believe in that 100%, but also, uh, you know, no one's going to remember me if I'm just, you know, watching what I say every five seconds. You know what I mean? I just, I, I have to sort of, you know, let my personality out and hope to connect with people that way. So, yeah. Great. And so before we ask the last question, tell everyone where they can find you online and connect with you when, you know, just follow, follow you. Yeah. So I'm not on Twitter. I don't even know how to tweet. Um, I can hardly manage <laughs> what I'm doing now, but I'm on Instagram as Baki Life. And then we branched out a little bit um, with, um, you know, autism and then with diabetes. It's, it's been a lot to manage, so I don't know how much I'm going to continue with that. But primarily, Baki Life. And then I am on Facebook, and I, I do try to get on. Like, um, I'm, I'm having difficulty with that, but it just comes down to balance. So, but yeah, both of those places. Um, and I'm pretty good at, I'm horrible at Messenger on Facebook. Um, but I'm better at direct message on um, Instagram. And I mean that, you know what I mean? I've had people message me and they've asked for things and I'm very honest 
I do what I can. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I love to connect with people for sure. So great. All right. And a last question. Why do you try? I try for autism. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Try for autism and diabetes, um, you know, awareness too. So yeah. Awesome. All right, Julie, thank you so much. This was amazing. I know. I had such a good time. I, I you know, I, I appreciate this so much. So. Okay. And Robin, we could probably talk for hours. <laughs> I have yeah, I was going to say. I know. Please. I mean, at some point, maybe we could connect, honestly. I mean, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I love connecting with people that are diabetic, and particularly when their kids are diabetic. Um, so please, I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Please, let's connect at some point, okay? I will definitely reach out. I think it's the thing from my perspective and probably other parents of diabetic kids is just that following people like you, following athletes like you, looking at your stories, it it's hope for our kids' future. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's like an awesome thing when your kid is facing this scary, terrifying time. So uh, I'm just really thrilled to have gotten a chance to, you know, actually hear your voice and, and hear your experience uh, in more detail than just an Instagram post. So thank you for sharing it. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, take care. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Julie. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll keep in touch. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed today's show and love the hot podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and leave the podcast a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Your review helps us out a lot and would be very much appreciated. Thank you all again for being a part of this community. If you haven't already, you can find us and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Strava at Humans of Triathlon. So head on over there and let us and our guests know how you liked this episode. Also, the show notes for everything mentioned or discussed on the episode can be found on our website. That's humansoftriathlon.com slash hotpodcast. And be sure to join us again next week where we'll bring you another amazing guest and story from this ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon. Until then, everyone, keep trying.